0: welcome to stat i'm telling you all medical true crime stories and it gets bizarre karen
1: wickiam yeah she used to work in the r and now she's sharing the knowledge so let's get involved hey funny and scary at the same time medical mysteries all facts she ain't lying. <laughs> so tune in the stat if you dare because crazy things can happen anytime anywhere <laughs> yeah hello 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 everybody out there in podcast land welcome to stat shocking traumas and treatments coming to you from beautiful greater toronto area
0: canada yeah hey guys it's erica it's karen oh did i already say that it doesn't matter sometimes, you, can, you can announce
1: yourself twice i'm karen
0: i'm erica okay i'm erica
1: Ur- i like calling her erica she does she really likes her erica (laughs) is that my voice hello okay okay swango Uh, swango i were doing michael swango part four and i really thought i could do this in four episodes but i can't there's going to be one last after this one there's just too much to talk about i know that you could probably hear this story elsewhere where it um talks about a lot of the stuff but not the more detailed things i find the the cover-ups and the all the the fraudulent behavior behind the scenes i find that fascinating uh and just the, also getting inside his head a little bit more so uh if you're still listening you're still hanging in with it before i start though uh i think it's really important that uh i discuss something in the prior episodes i've talked about the doctors club in which i i say that there is like um a doctor stick together And they'll cover each other up and um, anything from uh, malpractice, misconduct, uh, you know, uh, covering their own asses kind of thing. And I don't think I did a really good job at explaining that. I, I honestly don't feel all doctors are like that. No, not all doctors are like that at all. If I... Said that or did that or swayed anybody's way of of seeing how doctors are. I do apologize for that because that's not the case. No, I guess I was speaking out of frustration about what happened. Right. Um. But you know what? I'm just going to stand and say I apologize if um I really, uh, I because I think I, I probably did uh, paint the doctors with the same brush, and that's not right. Because I've worked with some amazing doctors and I've worked with some really bad ones. I received an email. And I'm just going to bring it up. I received an email from a doctor from uh, from London, or what did I say, London from England. And I got to say, this is the, exa- the exact type of email that I really admire. I really appreciate because this doctor, uh, she took the time, yeah, to to write this in the most respectful yeah. and articulate way. And I I really really appreciate that, and I really respect it. So. Um, I'm just going to read uh, just a couple parts of it. Uh, and then it, I think it'll help clear up some things. Um, so it says some things and it says, uh, I was really upset to hear the heavy emphasis on the doctor's club in the Dr. Swango episodes. That's not to say there wasn't a huge cover up in this case, but the idea that every doctor is somewhat in agreement to cover up mispractice and this is taught early in medical school, is really hurtful, untrue, and quite damaging. In my medical school, we constantly have 360 assessments, which are significantly proportion um, of the assessors. Oh, sorry, where a significant number of the proportion of the uh, assessors cannot be doctors or other students. And in this case, um, on for the rest of their careers. Yeah, even in this case, there was multiple uh, cases of doctors um, trying to stop this monster. I know this probably sounds like a not all doctors whinge, and I don't just so you, as an aside, I don't believe that that is the case. And to an extent this is, but it's hard enough to convince people that I'm not getting paid per tablet or poisoning a significant, uh, or sorry, or poisoning their children with vaccines as it is. It doesn't mean that if someone has a bad experience with one doctor that all, uh, sorry, the thoughts of doctors club will significantly limit their access to care as they may not trust any doctor. And, you know, I thank you. You're absolutely Right and i i stand corrected i think that the case, what took place in uh, the swangle case is abhorrent it's disgusting and i believe they are um uh part of the reason why you know i i think they should be culpable for uh his his murders or you know attempted murders cuz it carried on the other thing i want to say is i have had some bad experiences where i have witnessed uh misconduct that was covered up. I've um, saw fraudulent behavior and it was covered up and even tried to work with a a couple people to try to stop this and it didn't. But my experience is not everybody's experience. So yeah, that's where I'm at. And I want to thank you so much. And anybody, honestly, feel free to reach out
0: and talk to us about things. If you don't agree, it's not everybody's going to agree with things that we say and we don't agree with things that other people say. It's just, it's the way of life. We just got to be adults about it and not, um, get into arguments. have an adult conversation about it. Um, we're all allowed to, we're all entitled to our own opinions. And yep. I think that, um, people need to realize that and not think that the way they think is, uh, you know,
1: law. No. And I was called out in a really <clears throat> gentle way. It was great uh, way. And, uh, thank you. So I'm cool with being caught out. Just, uh, you know if you can do it uh, privately and like this uh that i that's that's great amazing and uh i think like any of us we respond better to um uh, this type of approach as opposed to your podcast sucks i'm gonna give you a one-star rating yeah absolutely and you're a scumbag so (laughs) so that's fair (laughs) that's totally fair okay so that being said we're gonna move into dr swango Mm.
0: don't don't call him doctor. No,
1: nah, really, his name is Michael Swango, and I, you know, I might just call him Mike. Yeah, or M. Swango. I stick to Swango. Okay, so where we last left off, um, I talked a bit about uh, he had served uh, the the five set the five sentences that he served for the poison, poisoning were served concurrently, and the maximum stay. Uh, sorry of the law would allow was five years and he only served two and a half of those years i'm going to talk a little bit more uh, about um what happened kind of a little bit during this process and what happened um as a further investigation so i'm going to get to that in a sec and he also um got back together with his longtime girlfriend uh, and nurse rita dumas like what so, was Rita thinking. <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, you just tried to kill some people. Now that I do talk deal. about some of his relationships because I, I think it's important. It gives an insight yep. into this 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 guy. Yeah. So one of the prosecutors in Swangle's trial was um a man by the name of Ed Morgan. And I'm gonna read something he uh, told the Plains Dealer uh paper about um just how he felt about this case. So quote The verdicts indicated to me that we are now investigating a man who is obviously a very sick individual and has to be considered a very dangerous individual. It indicates to me in my office that we are on the right track into um, pressing the investigation on, and we will continue the investigation. So what he's saying is that, okay, so we got him for the poisonings, but what about what happened at Ohio State? Well, yeah, was it even... Well, no, because it was like... Covered up. The doctors did the investigation of these murders and then say, oh, well, well, really, there's nothing proven that he did anything wrong. Let's take all the um, the documents. Let's lock him in uh, the president's office. And uh, you know what? There you go. And they really thought they had, you know, wiped their hands and the um, case closed. But not this Ed Morgan guy's like, no, no, we, we can't just let this go. No, which is awesome. So what he observed and heard of Swango's behavior in the trial and observed his personality, he felt that he was a psychopath and he was convinced that he had committed other murders and injuries at Ohio State. He wanted to investigate Swango and bring justice to his victims. So in June, uh, Morgan hired an experienced homicide detective by the name of Patrick Sweeney to investigate Swango full-time on behalf of the prosecuting attorney's office. Morgan and McSweeney then set up office at Ohio State Police Headquarters the medical board investigator, this guy was cool, right. uh, Dr. Um, Ellie, and the chief, remember, uh, Hurt, yep. he was trying so hard. So, yeah. I, I remember we talked about it. You're saying, like, please tell me he took it further. Well, he took it as far as he could. Remember, the papers got yeah, a hold of yeah. it, and the, they went into shutdown mode. So that, that was his investigation team, was uh, Hurt, Dr. Ellie, and uh, McSweeney, and Morgan, but they also uh, frequently consulted the, Frankin, uh, the Franklin County coroner, William Adrian and the Ohio State toxicologist uh, Daniel Curry, who were both involved in getting uh, Swango busted. So they had a pretty thank God, they had a pretty good, pretty good team there. So they began to interview the eyewitnesses at the hospital doctors, nurses, and other hospital personnel. Now, Sigurnis, remember this? Yeah. This loser? uh, Immediately started to interfere with the investigation. Surprise, surprise. By putting up barriers wherever he could. So he was demanding subpoenas. Getting a subpoena... Um, It's not an easy process. No, it's very tedious and time-consuming. Family members of some of the victims were quietly paid off. And were told to keep quiet. So there goes a whole load right there. But I mean, uh, this is not me... Nailing the family because they, no, they didn't absolutely. really know. No, yeah. So they said, look it, we'll we'll give you this. And you know, I Keep they probably didn't know what they were they were signing over, yeah. right? No, absolutely. And here is a quote again. I, I like giving some of these quotes here because it really yeah explains it better than I could. Yeah. So here is a quote from Morgan about the games that Tegurnus was playing. Quote Everyone on the OSU, so that's Ohio State University, uh, staff was hesitant. Appointments were broken. We made it as convenient as possible. We'd go at 2 a.m. if that's what they wanted. Not one person showed up on time. Once we waited three hours for a doctor to show up. They sent some doctors away, out of town, when we wanted to see them. I got the impression that they thought we were dumb cops and that we and that they were the saviors of mankind. I've dealt with hospitals for years on homicides, and I've never seen anything to compare to the treatment we got at OSU. And of How course, is that legal? I, to send doctors, like, yeah, oh, you're gonna go on vacation because oh, well, uh, here, here's a conference that you know made up conference that you have to go to. Like, I could just see these smug scumbags oh, just sitting there going, All right, they're gonna do this. Well, then we're gonna Bye, do that. We're gonna yeah. go to Cuba, yeah, exactly. Oh, No,
0: they're not allowed in Cuba.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm right. <laughs> So, Sorry. thankfully, they were able to do videotaped interviews with the critical witnesses, and one being Rena Cooper and her roommate, uh, Avonia Utz. Uh, this was the lady that. Uh, he injected and the student nurse saw. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, uh, poor Mrs. Cooper was like shaking the bed rails and, and, uh, you know, to get attention and she basically went paralyzed, could see she was like locked into her body. Yeah. So the, the resident on the head resident on <coughs> duty that day, um, uh, that Rena was poisoned was Reese Freeman and numerous other doctors and nurses were interviewed on video they scoured the records of every patient in the hospital during swaying those rotations and they were able to identify five suspicious deaths on top of it, plus the possible poisonings of doctors at the children's hospital. So did they, sorry, just a quick thing here. Did they have um,
0: autopsies done on these? Like, is it, were they in the files or were the autopsies done?
1: And So I'm going to get to, yeah, that, to that, in that. Okay, in a I just wanted to. No, no, okay. I, I, I totally great question. I'm going to get to that okay. in a sec. Um so, yeah, so they scoured the records, so the results were in stark contrast to the hospital and university investigation. so Dr. Cooper was one of the physicians that agreed to be interviewed, and he was eager to tell the investigation about the death of Charlotte Warner, so she was one of the people right. that I discussed of the five, yeah, so again, here's another quote again, I think it's it's perfect to explain it. quote the first problem that I had in her case that I didn't understand was a result of the autopsy. And that demonstrated what they called multicentric thrombosis. Basically what happened is she had developed clots in all of her major arteries. She had clots in the arteries in her heart, in the vessels to her intestine, in the vessels to her kidneys, her liver, and her lungs. And I could never understand why this type of thing would have happened to somebody who had undergone a straightforward surgical procedure five days earlier and was walking around having no problems. It always bothered me. End yeah, so there's
0: always that risk of uh, blood clots after a surgery. But uh, not. But not, not like this. No. This is like it, yeah, this uh, is bizarre insane. and beyond.
1: in yeah. um, early 1985, Cooperman, Cooperman learned about the ricin and castor beans in Swango's apartment. And he put two and two together. So when they went to Swango's apartment, when they arrested him for the poisonings. Yeah, yeah. yeah they found ricin. Ricin is a poison that comes out of castor beans. So yeah. he was buying them and trying to, like, he remember he had this, like, crazy lab set up.
0: Yeah. So, like, to extract yes. the the poisons from the
1: castor beans. So, what do you think, uh, castor, toxins? Uh, what do you think ricin poisoning causes? It causes blood clots, thrombosis, and thromboembolism throughout the vascular system. So, could it be anything is else? Is it traceable in blood? Yes. I don't know for how long, but, um, I, but why why would they have been looking for ricin?
0: Yeah, exactly. You don't that's the thing. It's so hard to to know what to look for. And how and, why would you think it was a because honestly, it was was
1: she older? Uh she was a bit older, but not like certainly not old. Yeah. So it's And why you know, like why they would think, Oh god, maybe she developed some kind of immune reaction or yeah. something bizarre, and it stuck in his head. But it was later that they went, because like, you wouldn't automatically go, oh, I'm going to look for poison, no, poisoning no. when it happened in a hospital. Right. So what exactly was it that happened to Charlotte Warner? Well, it seems that the suspicious death were consistent with the poisonings. Ed Morgan, Discovered how Tzernis and his cronies manipulated Cooper and Utz's words to make it seem like they were confused and paranoid, elderly woman. So they were like, Oh, no, they said it was a a lady with long blonde hair and a yellow coat. And these ladies didn't say anything like that. And they were not confused. They were perfectly fine. Scary. Yeah. To the point that, you know, Mrs. Utz could describe exactly what happened. And so could uh, Mrs. Cooper. So, you know, let's let's just like uh, degrade and humiliate these, this woman who's gone through it uh, to say that like she's been battered and assaulted. Yeah, she was crazy. She, she was, was crazy. She, she doesn't know what she's talking was, about. Yeah, she's demented. So, which was absolutely not the case. Uh, Morgan and his team were finding inconsistencies, falsehoods, and cover-ups throughout all the investigations. The doctors and the administrators and the executives had administrators and executives had done morgan had many witness accounts and he was but he was coming up terribly short on physical evidence first of all the syringe that was found in the bathroom that was discovered by the the psw had been thrown away so remember the 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 guy he found yeah yeah and then he gave it to the nurse the nurse locked it up and then she passed it on to the 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 um the head of all the nurses and when it came down to the investigations the doctors got a hold of it and then Bye. it disappeared three out of five of the dead were not autopsied they were exhumed but it was too late to test for those substances so they only autopsied two of these people why well these are all suspicious deaths remember one was like in his 20s one was in her teens they were all perfectly healthy like there was. So if it's a su- suspicious death, it
0: shouldn't it be an automatic autopsy? Well, yes, exactly. So w- that's the coroner's fault?
1: Well, no, it's not the coroner's fault. It, the doctors have to sign off for an autopsy. The coroner doesn't know about it unless the body is sent there.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah so the doctor has to write
1: it. on the form autopsy or not. So it's the doctor. Wow. So Swango was manipulating the paperwork to try to not get them uh, found. Exactly. Shit. So as for the doctors at the children's hospital that had been poisoned, Blood work and tissue and hair samples were never tested for poisonous substances, because why would they? Yeah, you're in a hospital. Yeah, exactly. So it seemed like everything he tried to do was being shut down and deflected by Ohio State. Morgan put together a 65-page report and personally delivered it to Ohio State University President Jennings. Jennings gave it to the school's lawyer to review. The doctor's names were removed and replaced by numbers. Of course. Yeah. The report was released on April 1st, 1986. No action was taken against anybody at Ohio State or Ohio State itself. Michael Swango's licenses to practice medicine were suspended in Ohio on February 12th, 1986, and by Illinois on March 19th, 1986. Swango was released by the Illinois Department of Corrections on August 21st, like I said, 1987, after serving just two years of a five-year sentence and he was only on parole for a year. So he was in prison when his licenses
0: got suspended is basically. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What takes so long? I wonder like, why wouldn't they just be like suspended?
1: You're, it's, you know, accused. Well, I know it takes it, it's a whole process that takes quite a long time. It's actually hard for a doctor or a nurse to lose their licenses. It's quite the um, lengthy process. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the nurse that he was dating, as I spoke of in the beginning, uh, before his imprisonment, Rita Dumas, stood by his side, stating that he had been framed. <laughs> you have to understand, though. Brainwashed. She was, a, she was a single mother, a nurse, and he's this, like, charming, everybody says good-looking, I don't think he's good-looking. He is not good-looking. But, you know, this charming, good-looking doctor, and he was, let's just say, he's a psychopath, so he's really good at charming and convincing people. He's a great liar. Yeah. So she was kind of vulnerable. So as much as I want to say, what's wrong with you, Rita?
0: Fucking Rita!
1: God damn it, Rita! Yeah, pull your shit together. Exactly. I can understand how he was, I get it. He's so good, right? Yeah. So Swango and Dumas decided uh, to start over again in Hampton, Virginia. He applied for a medical license from the state of Virginia, and it was rejected. Somehow, he got a job as a counselor for a career development center. He was helping students get into medical school. <laughs> Swango did not change his ways, though. His colleagues thought he was a creep as he was talking about his obsession with violent death and accidents. Uh, He worked on his macabre scrapbooks at work. He had (laughs) converted... This is my favorite. He had converted a basement room at the center into a living quarters. So he's with Rita. They get a place in Virginia. And then he turns a room downstairs where he worked into like a living quarters. It's bizarre. Yeah, he's... And a woman, and it was the second woman that had happened the last little while, accused him of stalking her after she had rejected his sexual advances. Because he wants what he wants, you know? And, and he, he, he thinks he deserves it and he gets it. Exactly. Also, three colleagues came down with the symptoms the same as the paramedics did in Quincy. Nausea, vomiting, and severe headaches. And one of them was hospitalized. So he didn't change any of his ways. No. He left in May 1989. But one of the employees made a complaint about the illness and her suspicious, sorry, and her suspicions about Swango's possible involvement. The Newport police, Newport, Virginia police looked into it. I'm good. Okay. (laughs) They followed Swango's trial back to Columbus, Ohio, and then they spoke to the prosecutor, Ed Morgan. So they did four circle and ended up. Good old Ed. So they actually, you know, they listened to what this woman had to say. Yeah. And then they did a full circle. So Morgan then sent him a copy of a 65 page report that was dismissed right. at Ohio State. Yeah, and this led them to the articles in the Columbus Dispatcher about Swango what had and going to prison. Yeah, and the poisonings and everything. Also, the suspicious deaths. So Swango caught wind of this from right. a friend uh, that an article had been written about him and his current accusations. Of his current accusations, Right. So with the poisonings. Yeah. And his prison time. So he went to the Newport police to clear his name. So he's, he's all about let's, I want to get to them before they get to me or anybody else. Yeah. So it so makes him look innocent. Yeah. It's like, Oh, I heard this about me. I want to like, because he wants to spin his web of lies to get them to, but he can't, I don't know what he thinks that he is going to do committing cops. It just doesn't work. No. You know, makes you look more guilty. The cops are supposed to be the dumb asses and the doctors are supposed to be the smart ones, right? Yeah. Well, no one's dumb here. It's no. just a matter in this case. It's who, it's willful ignorance and it's cover ups, right? Yeah. And it's not just doctors, it's people in administration, right? right. So anyway, uh, he went to the Newport police to clear his name. And as far as his name goes, he began the process of legally changing it to David Jackson Adams. So he changed his name. David Jackson Jackson Adams. Adams. I want to know how he came up with that. i probably scrapbooking. In the future, he changes his name again, and his last name's Kirk, because it was after Captain Kirk. But we'll, we'll get to that eventually. God. For some reason, he used his real name on his, uh, at his next job, though. So he didn't use his new name.
0: He is Michael Swanga. Yeah. Who
1: knows? So he got a job at Atacole Services. And this is a company that tested coal samples to be exported to France. So pretty much like science-y kind of stuff, but not medicine. But he got another job as a paramedic at a nearby hospital. Oh, good. So yeah. good thing for background checks. Exactly. And I, I'm thinking eventually this guy, if he just didn't work as a doctor, he could probably bounce around and get jobs as paramedics all over the place. Yeah. But anyway, um, so no one questioned his references and they didn't call any of his former jobs like Quincy, where he was, they would have told him, oh, yeah, he was in prison for two years, yeah. for poisoning the paramedics, his co-workers, so they didn't call Quincy. They didn't call anybody. They're just like, "All right, you're hired." On July eighth, yeah, on July eighth, nineteen eighty nine, he married Rita Dumas. On the outside, and to everyone uh, who had any acquaintance of him, it looked like he lived a normal, solid life. That he had a good job, job and a decent salary, and a wife. And you know, a lot of these sociopath psycho past serial killers want to present themselves as looking as normal as possible yeah so as much as they are they are so they're playing a role so there's nothing genuine about it but it looks good uh on a very surface uh superficial level to Absolutely, other people
0: yeah. right
1: yeah um so this was far from the truth almost immediately after the wedding swango's true colors began to surface and his relationship was going downhill fast rita shared with a friend that He didn't want to have any intimate relations with her and no intimacy. Like he wasn't uh, kind or gentle or romantic or considerate. And then all the way to like, you know, having sex. It just didn't, it just stopped. Um, They slept in a separate bedroom and he took another room and he turned it into a den, had a computer and was on it constantly. So basically he moved out of their bedroom, made it office and And stayed in it and lived in there. He stole money from her bank account, and refused to pay her for any of the household expenses. So she carried the whole of their expenses, including rent and everything, and he was making a decent income and keeping it all for himself.
0: Oh my God. What? what? I don't understand the frame of thinking that what made her stay.
1: Well, she doesn't stay. Okay, good. So, um... So uh, he was also cheating on her and it looks like he might've gotten another woman pregnant that he was cheating with. So on January, 1991, they legally separated. Good. Meanwhile, Swango started to poison his coworkers and then, and they became violently ill, vomiting, nausea, dizziness, weakness, <laughs> All severe the headaches, same symptoms. Yeah. And sweating. And one of the executives at the company became so sick that they fell into a coma. They came out oh of the coma, God. but they were in a temporary coma. Yeah. And at the same time, he continued to look for work as a doctor. So let's sum this up. Where he gets kicked out of school. He's served time for poisoning. He gets two separate jobs. Gets married. Gets married. Gets separated. Gets separated. Is a complete monster throughout it. And now, in the meantime, this whole time, he's still looking for work as a doctor. <laughs> but well, nobody's the wiser. Specifically what he's looking for is to finish his residency so that he can specialize, right? Right. All right. So, deep breath. He applied for a position uh, in Wheeling, Virginia, at a hospital under the new name David Jackson Adams. I don't know how he came up with that name.
0: Dr. Jackson Adams. Dr. Mm-hmm. Jackson Adams, paging. You can do a poisoning in room three right now
1: uh oh. nobody'll
0: be the wiser no. and uh you can
1: sign off on that uh as no autopsy uh, perfect um actually some nurses will see it and uh we won't believe them no that's how cuz you know why they're just nurses they're just nurses yeah okay so he had to reveal his, so he did have to reveal his name because, his real name yeah because i mean there's no david jackson adams that graduated at least not how he, he did. So, I mean, he had to have his um his paperwork in order, right? Right. So right off the bat, he told the hospital's chief of staff, Dr. Jeffrey Schultz, about his felony conviction. Only he lied in that... Okay. So he had to tell him about his felony conviction. Right. But what he did is that he lied about the details of it. And he... I don't know how, but he stole a, he- a letterhead from the Commonwealth of Virginia's Office of the Governor General. How do you... So he either downloaded it from the internet, you know, I mean, this is 91. So, I mean, there wasn't like that.
0: It was dial-up. Yeah. Back in those days.
1: Exactly. Um, Or he somehow got his hands on it. Who knows? And so what he wrote, so he forged a document stating that his charge was felony assault from a physical fight, not poisoning. So basically... You got into a punch out. Yeah. And then that's
0: what makes him look so innocent. What a dick.
1: So now he's starting, he's getting smarter, right? Like he's starting to forge. Like he's just, uh, he's changing his environment as he goes along. Right. right? He's a chameleon, right? Yep. So the truth was revealed to Dr. Schultz as um, he was not hired. So okay. So the guy figured it out. But this didn't discourage him because soon after this rejection, he applied for another resident position. So with his marriage over, he relentlessly pursued a relationship with a 25-year-old ICU nurse by the name of Kristen Kinney.
0: And how old was he at this time? Not that age matters. I think he
1: was 37. Okay. Which is quite old for a resident. Right. I mean, most of these uh, uh, resident or doctors are, you know, maybe like 20 in their mid-20s, early mid-20s as well. So he was still living in Newport, Virginia at the time. He saw this, this... nurse and he started to pursue her. So let me tell you a little bit about Kristen. And there's a reason why I'm going to go right into (laughs) the details of this relationship with, with him again, because I think her story needs to be told. I think more people need to know about it. And again, it gets insight to this psycho. So she came from a close knit family. Her mother was an ER nurse. Uh, She had a stepdad and since she was young and he was, he was a really good guy. She was funny and full of life and she loved her family and her job. And at the time that she met him, she was dating a doctor. Um, So always looking up in the world for her until the fateful day that she met Swango. And this would lead to a slow and painful decline for her. She met Swango at the hospital where she worked in the ICU while he was taking an advanced life support um, course. Shortly afterwards, he asked her out, but she declined his offer because she was dating this other doctor at the time and but he wouldn't take no for an answer and he practically stalked her he would find a way to run <laughs> into her uh you know oh that's so creepy you know uh, you're having lunch here oh me too oh, oh you parked over there yeah and he would bring her flowers and compliment her and was soon calling her every night so you know but there's a lot of still like trusting going on i mean uh, the serial killers weren't like a huge no i mean of course we went through there was bundies and yeah Oh, Night Stalker. Well, Night Stalker came bit later. But still, it was just becoming more of a phenomenon that, right. in that time, or at least being recognized. So he eventually got her to break up with her boyfriend. And Kristen and Swango began to date. She was previously married and had not had the greatest luck with men. So she was in an abusive relationship prior to this. And just the guy she's had in her life, they just t- took advantage of her right. kindness. She also came from a really abusive family. Let me back up there. Her father was very abusive.
0: Not her stepfather. Uh,
1: Or her mom. Got it. Okay. Yep. Um, The relationship with Swango, though, would turn out to be her worst. He knew how to prey on her weaknesses, manipulate, and charm her. Kristen and Swango got engaged in May 1992. And this, he did this, they did this before her parents even met him, which is kind of odd. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah. the mother thought that he treated her uh, as a queen, but the stepfather was not fooled in any way. He saw right through his charm. He started to ask Swango questions about his education, his employment, and his personal life. Swango became cold and evasive. So the stepfather's name is Al Cooper. So I might refer to him as good old Cooper Al. or Al. Like Alice Cooper. Totally good name. Swango became cold and evasive. Al Cooper, the stepfather, so I me refer to him as Al. Al. Uh, Didn't like his new son-in-law to be. So after Kristen and Swango left, he said to his wife and her name is Sharon. That's Kristen's mother. I hope he has what he's, I hope he is what he says he is. So right off the bat, he's like, "Mm, don't like this guy. Yeah. In September, 1991, Swango applied for residency at the university of South Dakota in Sioux Falls. Dr. Anthony Salem reviewed Swango's application. And Like what Swango does, he made a preemptive strike to get to them before they started to go, what is with this guy? Well, maybe if I go in and tell him my fake story first. They They won't research me. Exactly. His application that he sent and the letter to why he, you know, want to do work there and stuff like that or do do his residency was full of falsehoods, diversions from the truth. So this guy is good at, and like I think any good liar, is a mix the truth with the lie so if you go and i bet you he believed it uh, that's a good question i don't know if he did or not um so you know i can say i ran into this person and they were a complete dick to me and they did this and that whatever right the this and that whatever didn't happen but the person might have been a bit of a dick. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. So then you go, oh, that that probably did happen. Yeah. If this part is true, It can't really disprove the other part. So this is what this guy was really good at, mixing the truth with the lies. So instead of deterring Dr. Salem, it intrigued him. He's like, oh, what an honest chap. Oh, yeah. yeah. He only pretend punched somebody. Yeah. There's no poisoning. <laughs> so, so let's hire him. Yeah. In spite of the fel- felony charges, he thought that Swango's, Credentials looked excellent, especially from his recommendations from Ohio State. So how let's just talk for a second how dangerous that was. That Ohio State covered everything up and still gave recommendations. Now they were they were like very um vanilla recommendations. You know, the the they didn't say anything bad, they didn't say anything great, but they still were recommendations. Yeah. Right. So that's dangerous because those led to him getting other jobs instead of it as being, a doctor. Yeah. So instead of it saying like, ooh, you know, I don't know. He didn't get any recommendations. Oh, how come? And, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. It just makes him look. Yeah. It, it, it encouraged him, and allowed him to continue to be taken seriously. So. Again. Uh, the only thing that stood out was that his to uh, Salem. Right. Was that uh, he had a battery conviction which Swango described as a fist fight, not poisonings. Right. So Dr. Salem was considered a thorough, meticulous, and detailed oriented physician, which was, it was so, that made it really unusual that he was even considering, you know, even looking at this resume, let alone, you know, uh, talking to this guy. Like He considered him a potential candidate. Like, what the hell? So he called the licensing board in Illinois um, and they reported that he lost his license, and it was revoked for quote disciplinary reasons. So it didn't it didn't say wh- why he no. Lost it, it, said, it just said disciplinary again dangerous. And so did Ohio. <laughs> so both Ohio and uh, Illinois that revoked his license just at disciplinary reasons. Okay, but wouldn't you think
0: though that if you're seeing that his license was revoked in two sp- in two places, even if it's for disciplinary wouldn't you still assume that oh, okay wait a minute it's his license has been revoked twice yes something's wrong
1: yeah that's just that's just a you know dumb nurse and paramedical staff don't, yeah you know, like, what the hell do we know we don't know anything so no other details were provided now the ama which is the american medical association i'm just going to keep referring to them uh, okay of to the ama was even um more vague and it took them a month to get back to to dr salem and their response was that he lost his license for an unspecified reason, and an action was taken by two licensing boards. So, why did he lose it? Oh, unspec- It was an unspecified reason, and it was it's fine. Two of them just hire him. So, yeah, it was so vague, and it took a month to get back. Like, yeah. So this was consistent with Swango's behavior, right? Because in a in a twisted and ironic way, it worked for him, right? Because he goes in and says, "Look, right off the top, I'm going to tell you I have a felony conviction, and this is why. And it was for a fist fight. Yep. And I lost this and this. So because they were so vague, again, the it truth looks like and the he's lies. telling the truth. Yes. Yeah, I got a felony conviction. Okay. Now here comes the lie about what I did. Yeah, I lost my license. Well, here comes in the ver- the vagueness of why he lost his license. Right. Okay. In the meantime, he's like adding icing and sugar and sweetening up by being this Mr. Charming. Yeah. You know, Mr. Wonderful, Mr. Honest, right? So it just gets all bunged up. But you still think, it, you know, people would still go, ah, yeah, he might be a nice guy, yeah, but not Dr. Material. So it looked like he was being transparent and honest, but it wasn't, you know, it couldn't have been further from the truth. So the vagueness of the reports made it look like what he did was a simple assault. Right. So here we are. The cover-ups were mounting. So we've got Ohio State. We've got the vagueness of, of what's gone on in other places and the licensing boards and everything. So now what we've got here is murders. Yeah. Assaults to patients that almost died. Poisonings. Forgery and fraud. Okay? But let's let him walk around and get his license yeah, back. Yeah, this could and- have been stopped in Ohio State. Yep. And yet he was still being considered for a position for residency and to practice medicine.
0: Which is effed up.
1: So instead of stopping right there, Dr. Salem continued to search for more information on Swango. And he decided to take a, Swango decided to take a different tactic. And he came out and told Salem the truth. Well, sort of. He said that he was falsely accused by paramedics that were jealous that he was a doctor. So it's like, you know what? Okay, it wasn't a fist fight. You know, it was that I was falsely accused because of uh, jealousy. So instead of Dr. Salem finally dismissing this application outright, so now he knows he served time for yeah. poisoning. But it, it it was a lie. He's saying it's a lie. Yeah, he grew to like Swango more and more. So he called him for a final interview. He's, so, you know, Swango being as charming and... uh persuasive self this is all he needed was to get in the door for that for him now to pour it on right oh yeah it's on now so this is what salem said about him and why he took him for the final interview because he was a remarkably candid young man and also courageous
0: so courageous for poisoning all those people
1: killing people good for you he saw swango as a victim of a miscarriage of justice did he call quincy Did he find out? He didn't do any of his due diligence. He's a victim of a miscarriage of of justice. Why not? Still, Salem didn't think that Swango could be a candidate because the University of South Dakota had a policy that they did not hire residents who couldn't actually practice as a doctor in the future. So there's no point in putting you through residency if you can never work as a doctor. Right. Because it's hard to get into a residency. There's a (laughs) lot of competition. So... We might as well let someone in that could be a doctor one day, as opposed to as much as I like this dude. So you know what Swango did? Give it to me. So give it to me. So you know what Swango did? He's like, I'll tell you what, I'm going to I'm going to research this for you. And let's find out if this is actually the case, Dr. Salem. So he seasoned. he's so courageous. Yeah. So he did his his research, found a loophole, and then he seasoned it with like smoke and mirrors to cover up the fact that it would not change the outcome so what he said right. is you know no no you know like really it's it's okay like i you know i i, I can practice here I, I can do residency here like, you know you know I, i'm not sure where you got your information but in fact that's just not true so he 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 was like manipulating the doctor and saying right. that the uh that he could still practice do it and uh and that But the fact is he was still not eligible to work in South Dakota or get a license, but he somehow convinced Dr. Salem that he would be able to. Right. So no one looked into this. What the hell? His next interview was by a panel of five internists. And he was told that there are to these five panelists that there are a handful of states that have in place a policy that allows someone to have a chance to turn their life around and to be able to get a license to practice medicine. So how he gets in front of five internists. Yeah. And he says, there's a handful of States that have a get out of card, a get out of jail free card. Didn't you know that? And South Dakota is one of them. Why does anybody fucking believe this? These are some of the most intelligent human beings out there. And they're like, Oh, that's a nice thing to know. So Again, it never, did you think it occurred to them to call the Quincy police? No. So now that they know he had felony charges. Police. He admitted to poisoning. He admitted to serving time. And then do you think they would go, you know, what, maybe we should look into it a little further with the uh, Quincy police? No. no. So what was the end result of all of this? Swango was accepted to a residency into internal medicine oh, at the University of South Dakota. Of course he was. Swango and Kristen left for South Dakota at the end of May. The day that Kristen left, her mother, Sharon, had a panic attack. She felt extreme fear for her daughter's life. She didn't know why, but she just felt like something was very wrong. And unfortunately, she was right. Yeah. So Kristen, Kristen got a job at the ICU at Royal C. Johnson's Veteran Memorial Hospital in South Dakota. Sioux Falls. Right. Uh, she was very popular and well-liked. Uh, for her sense of humor and her caring and compassionate work ethic. The one weird thing was that she didn't tell anybody that she was engaged to Swango. It was only after a while of being there that they found out. Swango started to work on the same floor, would rotate rotate through different floors. So he would be on the floor and, you know, everybody was like, who's that new charming and handsome Dr. Swango? And it was only after a little while that Kristen um, admitted that, she, in fact, was engaged to him. That's kind of f- fucked up. Yeah. To be so honest. it's almost like she kind of had her reservations somehow, right? So this time, though, Swango was getting smarter and he was learning from his past mistakes. He managed to maintain a calm and reassuring and uh, competent appearance. So remember, before he was like just a dick to everybody? Yeah. Now he's uh, trying to. Now he's like, oh, I got to keep up this. Yeah. He didn't bring his scrapbooks to work. He didn't talk about explicit sex and his obsession with violence and gruesome deaths. And while she was... So Kristen, you know, as she got to know everybody, she became close with a lot of the nurses, but particularly close with a nurse by the name of Lisa Flynn, who also worked closely with Swango. And she didn't notice anything unusual with him either. So things seemed to be going well. But... Swango, in his usual cocky way, risked getting exposed for the lying film that he was by applying for a membership at the AMA. He is... Uh, like, he's so he's like special. Yeah, he's just like, okay, well, I somehow caught this uh, residence and I flew through somehow. But you know what? I'm going to bring more attention to myself because I'm Dr. Swango. <laughs> so he realized that they were doing more digging into his past. So he withdrew his application, but it was already too late for him to go unnoticed. And one of the doctors at the AMA found out about Swango's criminal past. This doctor knew Dr. Robert Talley, and he was the Dean of um, USD, University of South Dakota. So here he puts his application in, they dig in, they see that he's working at USD, this one doctor says shit i know he's a dean of medicine what does he know about swango so they told tally everything that they knew so on wednesday november 25th 1992 doctor salem remember he's the one that hired you yeah. received a phone call from doctor tally inquiring about swango tally told swango about his enlightening conversation with the ama and salem said all you know oh yeah i know all about swango's past he told me up front but Tally quickly shut that down when he told Salem about the suspicious deaths at Ohio State and the poisonings that he was convicted of. So even though Swango told him about the poisonings, they told him, wait a minute, this is way more than you realize. Salem felt sick. He was shocked and uneasy uh, with what he had done with hiring Swango and what Swango might have been doing during his current residency at USD. So then Tally went ahead and called Zagurnis on Friday to follow up with what he found out from the AMA. Zagernis gave a very surface explanation of Swango's time at Ohio State. So this is really, really interesting. While Tally and Salem were trying to figure out what to do with Swango, a show called The Justice Files from the Discovery Channel aired a segment on Swango that used footage from an earlier broadcast. On 2020, in which Swango was, um, when he was in prison. Oh my God. So as they're finding this shit out, this program aired and it showed him in his like arrogant interview with 2020 where they broke down everything. So it aired at at 10 p.m. And at 10.20, Dr. Salem got a call from um, a shocked employee at the VA Why'd hospital. you hire this motherfucker? Yeah. And then five minutes after that, he heard from a doctor who recognized Swango and couldn't believe that Swango, uh, what he was revealing. So Salem got in his car and like whipped to his office, fired off an email to Swango, revoking his pharmacy privileges and suspending his residency. By Tuesday morning, this... Um, was in the Sioux Falls Argus Leader newspaper. And this is in part what it said, quote, a first year resident practicing medicine at three Sioux Falls hospitals was convicted of poisoning six coworkers in Illinois and spent two years in jail. Swang was also suspected in the death of at least one patient at an Ohio State hospital. So this is in the papers. Swango's co-workers didn't want to talk, though, because they were afraid that he might poison them. So they're, like, being all tight-lipped about it because they're like, oh, I don't want to die. Yeah. Swango was asked to meet with Salem the next day. And meanwhile, all the records of the patients that he had seen were pulled to see if they could find anything suspicious. So they're, like, going, like, oh, my God, who did he see? And are they okay? Right? Jesus Christ. Yeah. This guy is... So, but Swango continued to act confused and surprised by the meeting. Like, what? what? What happened? What happened? So when he went to the meeting, he's like, what's this meeting for? So Salen popped in a copy of the Justice Files into his VCR. And his, his fiance. His VCR. Yeah, I know. And his fiance came with Swango. So Kristen was there to see this video as well. And he said that, Swango, uh, sorry, uh, Salem said that she looked visibly upset and pale while watching it. She clearly didn't know anything about uh, Swango's past. Swango remained calm and poised and curious as to why he was being called to a meeting. He's still like, okay, so, I, yeah, I saw the video, so still, I don't understand why I'm here. So Dr. Salem asked for an explanation, and Swango just repeatedly said what he had said before during the interview process. You know, I was, uh, you know, a victim of jealousy and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Anyway, Swango was dismissed from his residency, but was it reported? No, no. He didn't report Swango's residency, uh, at USD or any of the concerns to anyone. Case closed. No. So Kristen called in sick the next day and she was just beside herself Her friend uh, Lisa called a few days later to check on her and she asked if she was afraid and if she wanted to come live with her to leave him. And Kristen said that she wasn't worried at all. Swango was a good person who cared about people. And she was pissed off at the media for defaming his character and destroying his career. So, you know, Swango got in her head, right? Swango again did his, you know, preemptive strike. He called... Kristen's stepfather, Al Cooper, to get inside his head before he saw the news. He convinced Al that it was a media hoax. And then Al told Sharon, and Sharon was like, oh, fuck, and immediately called Kristen. Yeah, you know, to see if she was okay. Yeah, to be like, hey, uh, uh you want to come back home? And she told her mom not to worry and that it was all lies and she was safe with him. Swango, who was on the other end of the phone listening in, told Sharon that it was a temporary setback and it would all blow over. Everything's fine. Yeah. She did the fan at the at USD and the, all the hospitals that he had worked at, the three hospitals. The governor of South Dakota found out and he was incensed. After a good show to the public and the media, the dust did settle and no one was fired. It was business as usual. So did Salem lose his job? No. Should he have lost his job? Yes. yes. What about the five doctors on the panel? Who are like, yeah, it's uh, tally ho, chop chop, good, good chop. <laughs> have him come in.
0: Karen's British. Can you tell? Yeah.
1: <laughs> bees knees. This is the bees. Cats pajamas. Bees. So, what did Swango do? He hired a lawyer to have the decision overturned. <laughs> But the review committee upheld this dismissal. So is this the end of Swango's dealings with USD? Nope. No. How do you know the answers to all these, Erica? You're so smart. <clears throat> um, I think it's just from you talking
0: about it and, <laughs> <'Cause-> <laughs> and you getting so angry and then I just automatically know. I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> is it the end? No. no.
1: Swango contacted Vern Cook, who was administrator at the VA hospital who was also the president of the what? Hospitals Union. Swango asked Cook if he would represent him in getting his dismissal overturned. Cook had had dealings with Swango at the hospital, and he really liked him. And he also liked Kristen Swango's uh, fiancé. He saw her as a little sister. So it was, you know, a platonic thing. He just really thought she was cool. So Cook agreed to represent him. Cook and Swango became good friends. And here's the reason why I think Vern Cook was a Vietnam vet and Swango couldn't get enough of his war stories. He loved, you know, the gruesome death, destruction, murder, the whole bit. So they shared the same fascination with the macabre. Swango began to loosen up with Cook. He started to share scrapbooks. He sent him newspaper clippings with stories of violent deaths. He told Cook that he was an ambulance Chaser, and he would go to the scenes to observe. And at this point, he wasn't working as a paramedic. He would just go. He'd have a radio. He'd hear what was happening, and he'd just show up at the scene. He discussed his favorite serial killers, and his obsession with serial killers grew. So even though he had one before, it was getting more obsessive. Now that Swingo was no longer had to put on a show for the hospital, he was letting his guard down, not only with Cook but with Kristen. She was seeing a darker side of him more and more. So you know. When he had to put on a show to keep what he had, it almost kept him in check. But when he didn't have to anymore, he just didn't give a fuck. And he just was, you know, back to himself. So Kristen kept working at the ICU and the staff there supported her, but she just remained adamant that Swango was innocent. So they just kind of, you know, all right, just let it go. Cause she's not going to, you know, yeah. Like she's going to support him. Uh-huh. Um, But Kristen's closest friends were becoming more concerned about him. Stories started to surface about his bizarre behavior. So as much as people were like, oh, he seems like a good chap, a good doctor. I really like him. There was these, everybody was having these like creepy feelings about him, but they didn't want to say anything. So check this out. You ready? Yeah. A fellow resident was a patient in the hospital. She woke up in the middle of the night and found Swango sitting in the chair beside her watching her. Nope.
0: Creepy. Can
1: you imagine you wake no. up in the middle of the night, not just anybody's there, but your doctor sitting there watching you sleep?
0: Well, I woke up one it's in the middle of the night and Karen was sitting in a chair watching me sleep, so. Yeah. Okay, that's like, yeah, I thought
1: that yeah, was Yeah, but okay. I'm not a serial killer. No, exactly. So the thing about this resident, and there is, well, you'll understand why. This resident was overweight and Swango hated overweight people. Like he would go on and on about how much he hated overweight people. So he stated that he had a fat fantasy. So he told people about this okay. at work. That he had a fantasy about slicing up fat people with razor blades attached to the tips of his toes. Oh, sorry, the tips of his shoes. So he was likely sitting there fantasizing about slicing her up. Who did he tell this to? People, like coworkers, and, and they didn't think that this dude had a problem? Well, that's the thing. Like he, he would, he was learning now to, so it, it appeared that he was well-liked. But the fact is, he was like, um, people were scared of him. He was telling people individually, not in a group. Okay. Right? So they yeah. were just like, oh, everybody else likes him, but fuck. Right? But he's so, such a creep. Yeah. And so it's like, You know, oh, yeah, well, I'll just pretend to like him and maybe this will just stop or maybe it's in my head. Maybe I'm taking it too seriously, but I don't think I doubt it when someone goes as far as saying, first of all, slicing people up with a razor blade attached to your shoes. No, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of thought put into it. But then when you're attaching it to your shoes, like I don't even now you've you've like you're deep in that fantasy. At the same time, oh, God, he was also openly dating another nurse at the hospital. All the other nurses and doctors knew. Did that, his... that Kristen was his fiance. Did Kristen know? No. So it wasn't at the same hospital that he was dating, because he worked at three, right? Right. So at a different hospital. But it was enough that everybody else knew about it. They saw him going about town with her. Going about to meet him. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so, um, and then not only was he screwing around in her there was another nurse that was pressing stalking charges against him yeah so he was maybe a tiny bit less psycho in mm. appearance in appearance because he was trying to curb it but he was still being a complete psycho and scaring people but more individually right and they weren't coming together and talking about it right in early January, Kristen made a frantic phone call to her stepfather. She told him that she had found a recipe card on the back of a picture. The recipe's ingredients included poisons. <laughs> so, like, here's my brownie recipe with uh, arsenic in it. Don't worry, don't worry about that arsenic. Yeah. And so just... he was and they were like at the back of pictures, so like he was hiding them, right? Like a framed picture. I guess she, I don't know how she got to it cleaning it, something. Um, he wanted to pick her up right away. But she's like, no, no, I'm I'm fine. I'll confront him about it. They didn't hear anything from her for two days. Um, and she said, Oh no, no, I'm I'm fine. Michael explained everything to me, and he said it belonged to his father. Dear old dad that passed away Vietnam vet just would write up poison brownie recipes yeah, on the back of pictures. You know, let's have some arsenic stroganoff.
0: Mmm. Mm-hmm. Delightful.
1: And I love ricin. Oh, no, let's have um um rice and pudding instead mm, of rice pudding <laughs> rice and pudding with oh, cinnamon I, I need to clot up everything in my body mm, yeah with mm, cinnamon. clots <laughs> well i think it's a cyanide that smells like almonds is it does, does it yeah i think so so mm, almond mm, rice, cinnamon, rice c- and almond rice <laughs> and so, no we're not high yeah oh yeah you got it in there there you go you. you're welcome Kristen's parents and friends noticed that Swango was isolating Kristen more and more. He was, whenever they called, he answered the phone. He would also listen in when she was talking. So now he's like so possessive, right? It wasn't like that before. It's like that now. Kristen started to express her concerns about Swango to her closest friends, including Vern Cook. She stated that she started to realize that she really didn't know him at all that he was behaving stranger every day and that she like she kept asking him about these poison recipes because she was finding them and he's like he would go like fly into a rage and say I'm you know I'm leaving you bye yeah so Kristen's declining health was a drawing concern by her co-workers especially Lisa Flint. she began having severe headaches hmm. and nausea so on January 13 1993 there's a reason why I'm, I'm specifying this date. Kristen became violently ill in the lobby of a local uh, health clinic. She experienced intense nausea, headache, disorientation, and she fainted. These are classic symptoms of nicotine poisoning. Kristen never expressed concerns about being poisoned, but I'm pretty sure that it was on her mind. But, you know, some people will go into to, 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 to into denial some people go into denial right like she came from an abusive father yeah abusive relationships now she's with this dude seems that everything was going well she's getting sick and she just thinks it's a. she's like oh no he's innocent but i'm sure in the back of her head i mean she's a smart woman right
0: you'd uh, you'd think
1: yeah so he can be smart in one sense and, and, and dumb in relationships. I don't think anybody's really ever dumb. They just don't want it to be yeah, the course. way it is. Or they're so manipulated. They, they don't know? want that to be the truth yeah. because they care for this person. Or they're freaking gaslit. You know what I mean? It's it's terrible. So I'm going to read some excerpts from her journals. Okay. Um, Because it I think it best describes what's going on in the Swango household. Swango Cooper right. household. Okay. So on the January 13th is when she was really sick. Mm -hmm. So this is, this was written on January 14th, 1993. So the next day it starts, was she taken to the hospital? No. Okay. So this is how it starts. It says, I don't know where to begin. I don't know how to help myself. I don't know who to talk to. Then further down in the entry, it says, I hope that, I hope that writing this will help. Maybe I won't get any more migraines. I still feel numb and drugged from this one. It's been the worst ever and I can't stand it anymore. I was in the lobby of Central Plains Clinic. I felt the color leave my face and sweat began. I got tears in my eyes. I began wandering to find a restroom. I was dry heaving and my vision was getting blurry. I was hanging onto the staircase railing and latched onto some woman and pleaded with her to help me. I was vomiting in the bathroom. I kept thinking I feel like a horse who's broke their legs. And in great pain and no way for it to heal. And that someone will come soon and shoot me and it will be all better. End of quote. Wow. Michael was angry the whole day. I think because I am weak and I can't control these headaches. He got me home and I passed out. And when I woke up, he was gone. So, yeah. End of quote. Sorry. So in the meantime, his anger towards Kristen often seemed to trigger memories of abuse that she had at the hands of her right, father. Right. So she's going through hell and then she's going through even more personal hell because it, you know, it's yeah, triggering, right? Yeah, he doesn't right? care. yeah. So then there's an entry on January 28, 1993. Quote, it's been two long months since all this began. I can feel Michael growing more and more anxious to move on. We haven't heard what the date of his appeal is. He continues to write organizations and send resumes and such, but hasn't heard anything yet. I admire his perseverance. I'm very nervous about our future. Sometimes I feel like I'm waiting for another bomb to go off in a way. I wish it would hurry up and happen, but I don't know how I'll deal with it. End of quote. So, you know, it shows that, you know, the stress in the home. So she's getting sicker and sicker, sicker yeah. and sicker. And then the stress is mounting with him. Cause he's like, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. I, yeah. So Kristen's migraines and nausea continued. She began taking medications to help with her depression and anxiety. And she started talking to a marriage counselor on her own. But she was still getting sicker and sicker and found it hard to go to work. She found herself trembling with weakness and anxiety most of the time and had frequent fainting spells and would lose long periods of time. Late on a Saturday night, Kristen was found walking naked on East 5th Street. The temperature was minus 16.
0: Oh my God.
1: So they just found her wandering around naked in minus 16 weather. And this, so it, this is not her. Like This is not a woman on drugs wandering around or psychotic, you know, like, I mean, like, you know, like uh, she's had a psychotic break or anything like that. Oh, right, right. This is just like, what the hell happened? She was treated and admitted to the psych floor and then discharged three days later. So Kristen had found some very disturbing documents among Swango's files at home but she didn't tell anyone what it was. She was too afraid. She was able to return to work shortly after the psych admission. When she did, she asked her friend Flynn if she could stay with her if she ever needed it. She said that she was experiencing strange things. Kristen was told by someone at the hospital that her past and current symptoms were like nicotine poisoning, but Kristen didn't smoke. So they're like, yeah, looks like you have nicotine poisoning, but I don't smoke. Wow. Nicotine in high doses is a potent poison. So the early symptoms are nausea, yeah. abdominal pain, headache, and dizziness, which lead to confusion, muscular twitching, weakness, and depression. And then the latent stage is paralysis, coma, and death. Jeez. So think about it. She had all those initial, well, I'm going to say mildish symptoms, which aren't mild, but no wonder she was wandering around naked because she was obviously like, um, confused. It oh It causes God. confusion, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah. Ah, uh, and nicotine was one of the poisons found in the search of Swango's apartment in Quincy. So it wasn't like he had cigarettes there. He just
0: took it home with him. He didn't, he just said, I'm going to travel with this. Yeah. This is
1: an easy poison too. Yeah. He had little bottles of liquid ni- uh, nicotine. Holy I mean, shit. okay. So when I was younger, I tried smoking and I was so sick. After like half a cigarette, I was like gaggy and headachey and dizzy. And I was like, nope, don't like this. So I'm thinking that is like nothing compared yeah. to like what this poor woman is going through.
0: I can't even imagine. I really can't.
1: So on March 21st, Al Cooper, not to be
0: mistaken for Alice, Alice Cooper,
1: had a heart attack. So Kristen was like. You know, being the natural nurse and everything, she's like, she flew home right away to help take care of him. And she was there for a couple weeks. Her mother could not believe how bad she looked. She was like, What's happened to my daughter? She's this gray, gaunt, sickly, you know, um, nothing like this vivacious Yeah, that she was amazing, before she met yeah. yeah. And so she was there for a couple weeks, and funny enough, she started to feel better, right? So um she's like that's it i'm done she flew back to south dakota gave her notice at the hospital packed up all her stuff and moved back to virginia and this was on april 9th 1993 so she's like i'm done with this i'm out of here everybody's like oh thank, thank god. god she's away from him and all yeah. this shit her parents were ecstatic and her aunt uh had an apartment building that she rented out and she said you know what move into the apartment we'll figure everything else just come yeah home she got a job in the area at the icu at a riverside called that hospital called riverside and this uh was her new beginning but it was short-lived when kristen's parents showed up at her apartment a couple weeks later for her visit michael swango opened the door and they were stunned and dismayed they're like what so what is she thinking yeah so the mother's kind of like uh, and then she saw that he had put on a bit of weight and she said oh it looks like like not even like hey fatty she's like oh it looks like you put on a bit of weight he went into a rage he's like how dare you fucking talk to me like this how do you think so yeah nice seeing you again right like he went mental they're like oh okay and uh you know didn't stay too long and they just was like they were like oh my god like what is she thinking letting him back in well you see during this time, like, she was her his cash cow. He wasn't working. He was just trying to get a, a job again as a doctor. Yeah. He wasn't picking up work anywhere. I mean, sure, he could have worked anywhere, but she was paying for everything, taking care of everything. So now she leaves. Where's he going to live? Right? So, of course, he comes crawling back to her because he needs a place to stay. Right. So after that, her parents barely saw her. Like it just this she was back home. She was becoming like the Kristen that they remember and she was getting healthy. And then all of a and sudden. And then all of a, and then she was over there all the time. You know, they were, you know, having you know, it was it was all it was all great. Uh and then they didn't see her. They were just like we barely saw her after that. So we're gonna end there today. Oh I know. I just uh I thought I could do this in four episodes, but No, I gonna- think it's better to The next uh, is going to be the last episode. Um, So what is coming up? Would you like to know? Yeah, I'd like to know. Well, Kristen, something very tragic happens to her. Of course. He gets a residency at State University of New York where there (laughs) are more deaths. And then he goes to Africa when he can't get work in the U.S. What a great guy.
0: So I'm assuming she dies. That's what I'm going with. Well,
1: you have to tune in to listen. Damn I mean, you it. have to tune in to listen. Oh, you have to tune in to find out. So, uh yeah, that's going to make you uh, crazy. I'm going to guess she dies of poisoning. Well, a lot of people don't uh she doesn't come up in, in a lot of the stories about him. They they gloss over it,
0: which is crazy because But I her, think
1: her story needs to be heard.
0: Absolutely it does.
1: Right? And it helps talk about domestic violence, yeah, you know, and all that. So it's just, uh, yeah, so that's that's what's coming up. (sighs) Now, I would like to thank Meals, I think it's Meals, it's M-E-A-L-L-L-S, for the fantastic review we got, so on iTunes. Awesome, thank you so much. Thank you, and if you guys don't mind going over and giving a rate and review, Um, I'm not gonna ask for a five-star, are we? No. But you can. You could. And you can say something nice, too, if you want. Yeah. Or, you know, that, that would be cool. It just helps, helps you know, get us recognized. and
0: Absolutely. And if again, if you have anything that you want to say to us, you know, privately, you can send us an email as e- well.
1: Exactly. Um, and I want to give a huge thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank
0: you guys so much.
1: Uh, we've got Shadiro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we got Shadiro. Oh, we got Shadiro. Ooh, we Shakira, got
1: Shakira Shakira Shadiro Shadara <laughs> Okay we got Shadira Monsanto I hope you enjoyed that Shadira That was like- I really hope you do because she really Drop the ball on that oh, yeah and and but now you got your own song you do so you're welcome if your name ever comes up it's gonna be shadira uh, it's shadira shadira,
0: ooh. <laughs> shadira.
1: <laughs> and jenna watts thank you jenna thank you i'm jenna. not gonna butcher your name jenna uh, j- uh, jenna, jenna ooh. no it's gonna be jenna okay now we've got laura grandmont laura grandmont Jenna, laura grandmont laura uh, 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 grandmont uh, 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 laura uh, uh, l to the a to the u to the r to the a Grandmont. thank you laura thank you laura and last but not least give it to me laura Oh, no, Laura. We already said Laura. Last but not least, Elizabeth Day. Elizabeth Day. Elizabeth Day. Elizabeth day. Oh. Day, day, oh. oh. day. Elizabeth Day. <laughs> Elizabeth Day. Elizabeth Day. Elizabeth <laughs> Day. Let daylight come with Elizabeth Day. No. See what happens when you support us on Yeah, on this Patreon? is what happens. You get shout outs and you, we
0: write songs about you. So you're welcome. <laughs>
1: And like, you know, you can just like listen to this over and over again. And uh, if you ever forget how your song goes. Exactly.
0: So, I mean, I mean, we will be making a record later on this year, but everybody knows about that. And again, we're
1: going to make it free. Yeah, of course. At first.
0: Because, yeah, we want to see how many we (laughs) we can give out first (laughs) before we, we they go up for sale.
1: Exactly. If we would love if you joined our Facebook group. Yeah, we would love it. It's Stat Shocking Traumas and Treatments and you can find it on facebook type that in you'll find us it's a closed group but as long as you're like a really cool person that aren't jerk to people jerks to people you are we welcome. will
0: accept you
1: yeah so it, it's a fun safe place to go and um,
0: there's a lot of funny stuff there, on that facebook page yeah. so
1: i mean we could we talk about some serious things but mostly we just have a good time yeah so yeah come on join us there and uh If you want to support us on Patreon, we are also Stat Shocking Traumas and Treatments on Patreon. You get a lot of good bonuses on there, extra episodes, and we have a new segment for Patreon only called Coming in Hot, Coming in Hot, Coming in, Coming in, Coming in Hot. 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 And you get bonus episodes of Placebo Effect and some other fun things. Yeah, We're also putting together a webpage. page website website or you'll get a lot of fun things but that's going to be down the road yeah that's down the road so yes the next episode of swang will be coming up in a couple weeks stay tuned next week for placebo placebo effect effect
0: i love her sound effects
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay guys thank you thank you so much for joining us here today oh wait a minute before we go i want to play a promo to or for one of my favorite podcasts history goes bump with diane and it is so good it's spooky it's got some humor it's got everything you could possibly want spooky humor history all of it triple h go have a listen i'm sure you're gonna love it do you like to mix creepy with your history Hi, I'm Diane, host of the History Ghost Bump podcast, a podcast that is basically a ghost tour for the theater of the mind, featuring the history and hauntings of places that are infamous and many places you probably have never heard of before. Are these places truly haunted? I leave that up to you to decide. Join me if you dare. Check out historyghostbump.com.